Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solutions-focused insights for healthcare executives with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Amanda Schiavo, the finance editor for Health Leaders, and in today's episode, I'm jo- joined by Don Javersack, the CFO for Nicholas Children's Health System. Thanks for joining us today, Don. No problem. Thank you, Amanda. So, Don, there's been significant financial challenge for hospitals and health systems through 2022 and even beyond. Can you give us um, an example of one of these challenges and how Nicholas Children solved this problem? Sure. There have been many challenges during 2022, uh, many of which are continuing impacts uh, from the pandemic. And while not all of these challenges have been solved. We've tried to implement solutions in order to mitigate the impact of those challenges. I think one of the most significant challenges that all healthcare providers are facing is in the workforce, both in availability of resources, as well as the cost of labor as a result of the shortages from a staffing perspective. And so we've spent a lot of time on that over the course of the last several years. And two things I'd like to highlight. First of all, we've really made a concerted effort to focus on employee engagement. And by employee engagement, I mean really trying to work with our workforce and connect them to our mission. And we've done a couple of things to do that. Uh, We started a program called September to Remember, actually in 2020, which is a whole month-long, really, celebration of employees, whereby every week we have a different theme, we have giveaways, we have, you know, ice cream socials, we send things to employees' homes, all really with the the intent to cement that connection uh, back to the mission, uh, you know, as a children's hospital. We've done things uh, with respect to providing more flexibility, particularly for those employees who can work remote. And as everybody started to work remote in 2020, we found that in some of those instances, like our corporate staff, for example, really enjoyed that kind of environment. So we've uh, shown and exhibited flexibility as an organization to try and accommodate that wherever it's possible, uh, dependent upon their role. And as a result of those two things, as well as many others, um, we've improved our employee engagement up to the 75th percentile as compared to our peers across the country. And just this year, we were named by Newsweek as one of the top 100 most loved employers. And I say, how does that, you know, serve to, to really mitigate the impact of some of the workforce challenges. What we've seen is it has reduced our vacancy rate, it's reduced our turnover rates because people really want to work here. I'd say in addition to that, as a pediatric facility, many of our employees uh, join the organization because they have a real love for pediatrics. Mm -hmm. So those things have, have certainly helped to mitigate Uh, again, some of the challenges from a workforce perspective. And then another example is everyone or many organizations um, have 
seen a significant increase in the utilization of contract labor or, you know, travelers. And so one of the things that we did is we established an internal traveler pool for our nurses uh, in order to minimize our reliance on external travelers. So within that program, we increase the rate of pay for nurses who sign up and make a commitment for a six-week period to work an additional 24 hours uh, each pay period, so every two weeks. And for that commitment, we do pay them a higher rate than what they would normally earn, um, although it's uh, somewhat less than the cost of an external traveler. So we did that uh, during 2022, about six months ago. And since that time, we've had a total of over 26,000 hours that have actually been worked by our own employed internal employees as part of that uh, internal traveler pool. So those are a couple of the things that we've done, um, certainly not limited to that, but I think the workforce challenges are going to be continuing um, in the foreseeable future. And so certainly an area where we've been very focused. And have you seen um, financial reward, I guess, through those strategies? Yes, we have. We've reduced our uh, our reliance on external travelers, which has you know a financial impact, but it impacts a lot of other things just from a workflow perspective, from an employee morale perspective, as well. So really, all all favorable impacts as a result of that. So, what is Nicholas Children's doing differently from other hospitals, whether it's pediatric specific or general, to maintain the organization's financial stability? That's a great question. Um, one of the um, the things that I would like to highlight is, you know, within our strategic plan, we have four pillars that really frame the focus um, of our strategic plan. And one of those pillars is actually entitled operational excellence. And we define operational excellence as providing the best clinical care, support services in the most cost-effective way without compromising quality, service, or safety. And we as an organization have made a sustained commitment to process improvement and scaling efficiencies. So one of the things that we've done um, as part of that pillar of operational excellence is we entered into a process about three months ago um, was the first time that is really uh, a process engaging middle uh, management leaders uh, to focus on one subject of continuous improvement for a 120-day period, and we refer that refer to that as a as a workout. Mm-hmm. And so, our first workout was focused on elimination of waste. And so, we had a little bit of fun around it. We called it Margin Madness, and we put our management team into teams and used a tournament format similar to what you see in March Madness, but for us it was Margin Madness. And all of the leaders were expected to identify two changes, and they could be very small changes, and we had some that were very big, substantive changes, but two changes that they could implement every 30 days 
over that 120-day period. And so each manager or director was expected to implement eight changes over the course of that period of time. We set a target for elimination of waste of $6 million uh, within that 120-day period. And we just concluded it this week. And I was thrilled with the results because our middle managers were able to identify and implement almost $14 million worth of changes, again, in a very short period of time, all working on elimination of waste in their particular areas or collaborating with their peers and their their colleagues in order to implement changes that might be multidisciplinary um, in nature. And so we found that to be very successful. We've just kicked off our next kind of area of focus, uh, and that'll be on growth. So over the course of the next, again, 120 days, everyone will be looking for opportunities for growth. Uh, again, with everyone rowing in the same direction and focused on the same thing, um, we're looking for you know that continuous process improvement. And we're really excited about the opportunity and the framework that we've put together and believe that it'll be very uh, successful. And then building off of that, you know, what opportunities for growth do you see coming down the pipeline for 2023? Well, uh, as a pediatric facility, we do have a dominant market share uh, in our primary service area. Uh, we have almost 70% inpatient market share in Miami-Dade County, which represents our, our primary service area. That said, our services aren't limited to our primary service area, and so I think there's a lot of opportunity, particularly in our secondary service area, which to the north, the two counties to the north of Miami-Dade include Broward and Palm Beach counties, uh, and also to the west of us, out going towards the west coast of Florida uh, in Collier County. Over the course of the last two years, we have focused on partnering or developing relationships with other healthcare systems, and in particular, adult systems uh, in our market. Uh, that started with a relationship with Baptist Health of South Florida, which is a large organization um, that spans really the three-county market area um, in South Florida. We now provide the uh, pediatric ED coverage in two of their existing facilities, uh, and one of their main facilities actually exited the pediatric space. Uh, and so we developed a, a transfer agreement whereby those children are now seen at Nicholas Children. So mm -hmm. they come into the ED if they need inpatient admission, they are transferred to our facility. That was really beneficial for both parties because it allowed them to dedicate that space to the adult population, which they needed. And it also gets you know pediatric patients into the local children's hospital where we have the resources and the specialists, we believe, in order to provide the best quality care to those to those patients. We've also entered into uh, agreements or partnerships with other adult systems, including Jupiter Medical Center, which is to the north of us, where, again, our physicians staff and run their pediatric ED, their NICU, their peds floor, uh, etc. And we just 
recently entered into an agreement with Naples Community Hospital over on the west coast of Florida to do a like thing in their NICU, in their general pediatric uh, population, as well as their um, PEDS intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll see us focus a lot on developing partnerships, particularly with adult systems Mm -hmm. for the provision of pediatric care. We're also focused on really building our four institutes, which cover heart, neurosciences, orthopedics, and cancer services, and all of that really tied in as well to growth within our uh, employed physician network. Keeping with this topic of growth and partnerships and expansion, you know, as CFO, as you look into the coming year, where would you like to see the organization make some greater financial investments and why is that area important to you? Well, we are currently making uh, about a $200 million investment and building a new state-of-the-art surgical tower on our main campus. So that will span really the next two years. That facility is uh, expected to open towards the end of 2024. And that will replace, you know, 30-year-old operating rooms on on our main campus. And we think that's important because we really are the tertiary and quaternary service provider in our marketplace. Um, And so when you have a child that needs access to, you know, certain subspecialists or surgeons um, for, you know, a baby who has a heart condition, Mm -hmm. we want to be able to provide that again in a in a state of the art uh, facility that's there to serve the community. I think we also need to continue to make investments in physician recruitment because physicians are who admit the patients. So as CFO, um, I want to see us make those investments that will really spur uh, that overall growth from a volume perspective um, over the course of the next several years. When you think about the health care providers in general, um, not just specifically Nicholas and, and Peds, and you think about the financial challenges they've had to overcome and looking into 2023, what do you predict for healthcare finance? What trends do you think are going to emerge? Or is there something that's already emerging that maybe healthcare providers aren't spending enough time focused on? Well, you know, this year has kind of been the the perfect storm um, because coming out of the pandemic, um, the need, or I'd say the overall volumes have increased, I would say, across the industry, whether that be in adult facilities or in pediatrics. So volumes are there and many institutions are busier than they've ever been, which normally is a very good thing. But, you know, we've seen the other outcomes of the pandemic, uh, getting back to my initial comments on the workforce, you know, the workforce challenges are being uh, experienced across the industry, Uh, I would say probably in a more substantive way um, in many large health systems, and in particular, those adult facilities, because of the significance of vacancies, turnover rates, and just what's happening from an overall 
kind of lack of resources uh, perspective. I don't see that changing substantially uh, over the course of 2023. I think it will start to mitigate, but this isn't going to be a quick fix. It's simply not. And then you put on top of that all of the issues that you hear about with respect to global supply chain issues. And hospitals across the industry are are dealing with that as well. Um, Our leader of our supply chain area quoted some things, some statistics that I thought were very interesting. You know, on a pre-pandemic basis, we might have had 20 or 25 products that were on national back order. Now, the number of products at any given time that are on a national back order are in excess of 1,500. So think about the magnitude of that change. It's It's been so substantial, and there's been a lot of volatility such that an item might be on back order order this month, you know, that that issue gets resolved, but another one takes its place. And so that's impacted cost of supplies. It's impacted the ability to get supplies, um, has caused organizations to do uh, product conversions, which can be really challenging from a clinician perspective. Um, And all of that is happening kind of on a concurrent basis. Mm -hmm. And that, again, isn't, there's not a short-term fix to that. Mm -hmm. I think that organizations are trying to do everything that they can do to mitigate the impact of that. But some of it is just reflective of what's happening Mm -hmm. from a market perspective. And then when I say it's a perfect storm, you know, most hospitals and health systems have pretty healthy balance sheets and tend to have robust investment portfolio. And so you layer onto that what's happened in the investment markets over the course of the last of the last year. And it really has been a a perfect storm because Mm -hmm. operations are being impacted. And while operational challenges can sometimes be offset by your investment income over that same time period, we've seen those go down as well in significant significant numbers. So all of those things together, I think, has really uh, resulted in this kind of perfect storm that many folks are really trying to navigate through. What is one of your ultimate goals for Nicholas Children's for next year? What's one thing you're hoping to achieve in 2023? Well, in 2023, uh, it's hard to to narrow that to one thing, um, but I'd say we'd like to continue our trajectory of growth. Uh, sustain our financial performance, which has been strong, uh, and really continue to focus on employee engagement. And I think if we do those three things, that we will lay the foundation for the remainder of our strategic plan over the course of the next three to five years in really looking to become, you know, one of the top tier children's health systems Mm -hmm. in the nation and certainly in the state of Florida. Dawn, this was a great conversation. I'm so thrilled that you were able to join us. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. My my pleasure. And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.